America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, there we have it. Thank you, Scott Shannon. 237 days until you, we, the American people, you get to decide you are the ultimate jury. You will have the opportunity to shock the world once again, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. It is an amazing, there's an amazing series of events that are unfolding. Let me, let me just slow everybody down a hair as we get the program started today, because I, I can see that there's panic, there's fear, there's worry, there's concern, and rightly so. I, I think we should always be concerned about the health and safety and security of Americans and our fellow Americans. I, I get it. I understand the media that has an agenda. Their goal is to hype things up as, as quickly and as diligently as possible. They want to bludgeon Trump any way they possibly can. That is who they are. That defines them. That is never going to change that is just, unfortunately, a fact and the reality of the world that we live in today. Uh, but it's revealing. It, it, this, this will take on a life of its own. It will play itself out. It always does. And in the end, I think we're going to learn a lot, which I'll go into some detail in the course of this program today. One of the more amazing developments as it relates to this race is, well, number one, let's, be, let's, let's state the obvious. It looks like Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic Party nominee. Joe Biden's only agenda seems to be one thing. I'm not Trump. That's it. I'm not Trump. I'm never going to be Trump. I'm not Trump. All right. If that's your agenda and you think that's going to get you across the finish line, you go for it. I've been pointing out very specific issues and problems that he's going to have. And James, if you can bring in those notes I asked you to bring in from earlier, that would be appreciated. And it's very simple. And Joe Biden has, let's see, uh, a brain fart problem. Let's say it nicely. The guy cognitively is off. Now, I'm getting hit and I'm getting clobbered. How dare I raise these questions in any way, in any shape, in any matter, in any form? But the reality is it is what it is. Hannity attacks Biden's physical, mental health and bizarre rant. Is he going to invite Putin to a fight or a push-up contest? Well, I brought that up for a very specific reason. I mean... 
The guy is calling out people to have fights with him regularly, including Donald Trump. I want to have a push-up contest. You know, lying dog-faced pony soldiers. I, I mean, it's really strange and it's really bizarre. This this rant yesterday with this guy from Michigan, a union worker, a construction worker at one of the auto plants. That, too, was bizarre. And all right, so now we're looking at he's likely the guy that is going to be the candidate. I don't think there's anything wrong with me asking fundamental questions that the Democrats and the media mob were asking about Ronald Reagan after his first debate performance against Walter Mondale in 1984. The age question, as they referred to it at the time, they had no problem raising it. And look, when I first saw Joe Biden getting into this thing, I said, wow, he aged a lot, at least in my eyes from when he finally left the Oval Office as vice president for eight years with Obama. He's got a lot of issues here. And I raised the question, and it's a fair question, and that is that, okay, I'm looking at him. He seems frail to me. Just an observation. It's not diagnosing a medical condition in any way. I'm not a doctor. And, okay, so now he's the front runner. Looks like he's going to be the guy. Bernie's not going away anytime soon. And he's challenging people to go to the, you know, have fights, you know, in the back of the gym and wherever else he's having fights and, you know, having, uh, you know, push up contests and telling people they're full of beep. And that's that's a total lie and dog face pony liar and all this other stuff. Soldier, whatever he's saying. But beyond that, you know, these gaffes are what they are. And it is a legitimate question. And and whether or not the mob and the media or Democrats like the fact that we're bringing up the obvious, this is not even controversial because this is the type of thing that people are really talking about. Okay, let me make a comparison. Bernie Sanders is one year older than Joe Biden. I don't see any issues as it relates to Bernie Sanders focus, his energy, his strength, his stamina, his passion, his alertness, his mental toughness. He's there. He's there. He's in it. I disagree with everything this guy says. And even after having a heart attack, he shows, you know, more mental alertness, more physical strength and stamina than Joe Biden does on even his best day. That is an observation, not a medical diagnosis. And to be very frank, I'm not even I wouldn't worry about Bernie's heart either. You know, we've come so far in the treatment of heart disease And literally helping people that have any type of heart condition or heart attacks and stenting and bypassing. And, you know, look at what Dick Cheney went through in the eight years that he was vice president. We made tremendous gains thanks to the incredible work of medical researchers and doctors and dedicated professionals that are the best in the world. So asking if whether or not Joe quid pro quo, whether he has the stamina, the strength, the focus, the alertness the mental focus, toughness, and stability to be president is a fair question. And, you know, it's a question that the media mob had no question, even with no evidence whatsoever. They don't like Donald Trump. We've got to consider the 25th Amendment. So, and and one has to wonder, I mean, is is Joe Biden going to challenge Vladimir Putin to a push-up contest or, or whatever he's going to do? Or is he going to yell at him and curse at him? Because he seems to have no problem cursing at people that apparently he's want, he wants to vote for them. So anyway, it's it's real. It's an issue. They can ignore it. It doesn't matter if they ignore it, because in the end, the American people are not going to ignore it. They are going to bypass the media, as always. All you need to do is look at social media and you can see people are talking about it.
Just like, oh, there's this investigation going on in Ukraine right now as it relates to quid and pro and quo and Joe, and you're not getting a billion, leveraging a billion taxpayer dollars to fire the prosecutor, investigating his zero-experienced son, so his zero-experienced son can now be paid millions. And his son, by the way, was now using the coronavirus without a single case in Arkansas as a means of getting out of handing over his financial information because he doesn't want that information out there. Apparently, he just made a deal. Let me tell you what that means. That whoever the mother of his child is basically said, either pay me this or you go into court. And he didn't want to show anybody anything. So a deal was made, which is not unusual. Um, So. We're watching this, and then we're going to look at that. We'll look at Burisma. We'll look at the monies in China. We'll look at the other countries. And on the China case, he actually flew on Air Force Two with Biden over to the region and to China, and then comes back 10 days later. He's making deals again in fields that he has no background or experience in, in, telling GMA, I never got a penny out of China. His own lawyer had to correct him. Yeah, well, he hasn't cashed in on his options yet, so he hasn't technically gotten a penny yet, but... I'd like to know exactly how much money he got, what background experience qualified him for the money with China, and why was he flying on Air Force Two and making deals with the Chinese, which is another question. Another question, too, as it relates to China, when are we ever going to wake up and understand that the president was right about China? Now that we have a two-year deal that helps our farmers, our energy sector, service sector, a manufacturing sector, an auto industry, $220 billion dollars, Yeah, the president that is willing to take a stand and say these deals are fundamentally unfair for the American people. You want to trade with us. It's got to be free and it's got to be fair. And we had been taken advantage of by everybody. And that will be an issue, too, which brings us to issue three. Joe Biden has a record. He has a record on, well, how did they handle H1N1? Everyone wants to freak out about coronavirus. We have every right now to look at the response of Biden-Obama in 2009 and 10 when we lost nearly 14,000 Americans. Now, I believe the health secretary at the time did say it's an emergency that released certain monies at the time. But it took Obama six full months before he declared a national emergency. Never had a travel ban. By the time he declared a national emergency, 1,000 Americans were dead. 1,000 dead. That's called perspective. We can compare the Biden-Obama record on pandemics versus the Trump-Pence uh, record on pandemic, now that it's officially a pandemic. So that record will matter. The we, we need an explanation. Okay, well, how do you explain away the monies that were spent to mullahs in Iran? I don't understand. Why would anyone give a billion dollars, I'm sorry, $150 billion in, in cash and other currencies to the Iranian mullahs chanting death to America, death to Israel? And get nothing in return. Because even that deal, which did not offer any place, any time inspections, even that deal expired in 10 years, which is now around the time. And it didn't allow any American inspectors. What did we get for the $150 billion except more burnt American flags and more death threats to the United States and chance of death to America? Nothing. And then we have the, the, I'll use Joe's words, the... Oh, Biden, Obama record uh, on the economy. And that's not good either. So all of this is now going to come into focus. Then we've got an issue where, OK, he spoke a whopping seven minutes at a rally in St. Louis because his own staff is scared to death about what flub is coming next. They don't know. 
and they're afraid of it all. And that brings us to why James Clyburn is now out there saying, because the other speech that he gave, well, he did give a speech in Kansas City, and he spoke a whopping 12 minutes. He didn't have one speech that was longer. Hang on one second. Anyway, so, you know, why is James Clyburn out there saying, oh, the night is over, he's the favorite to win if the night ends this way? Uh, you don't do anything but get yourself in trouble if you continue in this contest when it's obvious that the numbers will not shake out for you, he said. James Carville, Democratic primary is over. Let's shut this puppy down. Let me interpret for you. Let's not embarrass Joe. Because Bernie Sanders made it very clear today that quid pro quo Joe has a lot of questions to answer. We'll go through those in a minute. And Joe has a problem. So, all right, Joe's got problems. You know, Joe's got issues that his own staff are scared to death of. When he gets into this confrontation with this Michigan guy, you can hear him shushing away what sounds like a female staff. Shush! There's a I'm large portion yet. of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts, and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're full of all right, thank I you. Now go to shush. Shush. You shush. Okay. Can you imagine if I tried to shush Linda? Linda, what would you do if I shushed you? See ya. I'm out of Are here. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you having a Joe Biden moment? Because that's actually Biden- happened. This is oh, not okay. It is not okay, Hillary. Well, well, wait a minute. Hang on. You're on the radio and you're shushing me constantly. You, well, that's because you, you literally- talk over people. You're welcome. It's you also her job. Me. Uh, uh, all right, Ethan, you're fired for being a sycophant <laughs> suck-up to Linda. It's unbelievable. And you. Unbelievable. No, the notes, James. I'm looking for the notes I asked for earlier. Good grief. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the lost control, Sean. It's over. Oh, my God. Hey, oh, so they want. They don't want this guy talking. He's shushing his staff away. What was the staffer trying to do? You know what the staffer was trying to do in that case? The staffer was trying to save him from getting into an argument and saying you're full of beep to the guy. That's total beep, 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 you know, and having another no- moment. Apparently, uh, Breitbart is reporting. I didn't see this. Ed Henry over at Fox, he was interviewing Biden's communication uh, director, some person named Kate Benningfield, and on the issue of the campaign, and, and Ed Henry asked the obvious question about his fitness for office, says, well, I want to ask you about the videos that keep coming out. Is Joe Biden fit to be commander in chief? How do you answer that? I have to say this is a disgusting smear tactic. The kind of thing exactly why people want Joe Biden to be president. The kind of false misleading, basically a conspiracy theory, a desperate Henry at Henry counters. How is it a smear tactic to ask you about a video where the vice president, in his own words, struggles to complete a sentence? How is that a smear tactic? Ed, respectfully, how many times have you struggled to complete a sentence on the air? I bet Ed doesn't struggle to complete sentences on the air. He's actually a really good broadcaster. That's ridiculous. Let's roll the tape. That's ridiculous. Henry says, I'm not running for president, Kate. He's right. It's the toughest job in the world. Uh, Yeah, and if it was Trump, they'd be asking it every second, every minute, every hour of every 24-hour day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everything that you hear and see on television, on the radio, from any Democrat, you got uh, everything now has to be viewed for the prism through the prism of oh, this is about the election. So it doesn't matter that the president took a huge political risk and did something that Dr. Fauci told me last night on Hannity. Yeah, literally prevented thousands of Americans from likely contracting Corona. And that was the three weeks after we identified Corona. That was the travel ban followed by the quarantine. Yes, it's a an officially a pandemic. Yeah, we are seeing that the people that are most at risk are older people. Average age of mortality from Corona is 80 those older people with underlying conditions, compromised immune systems are most at risk. We were slow in getting the testing kits out. Millions are now out there. Some news, this is not impacting children. New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, the CDC points out that in South Korea, nobody under 30 died. In Japan, nobody under 50 has died. The president has allocated $8.3 billion. He is helping industries, the airline industry, cruise ship industry, hourly workers, with the financial burden if they're impacted by all this. What are the next steps? I'll tell you next. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. These voters want to shut this thing down. I mean, you can just look all across the spectrum of the Democratic Party and people are saying, we made our decision, this is who we're going with. Senator Sanders may not break threshold in Mississippi. He's at 15.3 right now. And we got to acknowledge that he created a movement. He, he did some, some, some truly remarkable things in American politics and, and certainly Vice President Biden, we've got to talk to him and, and discuss this. But we also, we can't, we can't diss these Democratic voters who are just coming out in, in every corner of this country saying, let's get on with this thing. Now, our mission as a party is to defeat Donald Trump. According to 538, there's a 99 to 1 chance that, that Vice President Biden is going to be the nominee. Let's shut this puppy down and let's move on and worry about November. This thing is decided. There's no reason to keep it going, but not even a day longer. Well, I think if he does not win any, any contest tonight, I think we will be at a point where Joe Biden will be the prohibitive uh, nominee of the party. And I think the DNC... The Democratic National Committee should then step in, make an assessment, and determine whether or not they ought to have any more uh, debates. But I'm going to tell you about these debates. I remember uh, Al Gore running against the caucus. A lot of people think that the caucus lost its election because of the uh, Willie Horton uh, ad, which was perfected uh, by a South Carolinian. Uh, who was working for the Demo- for the Republicans at the time, Lee Atwater. But if you go back and look at it, and I always study this stuff, you will see that the Willie Horton ad did not come from Lee Atwater. It came from Al Gore. Mm. 
So you're saying a prolonged prolonged primary will only hurt the nominee? That's exactly what I think, because if you get to the point that it gets contentious, people will say things, things will happen that you might not ever overcome. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. We have to just change the culture, period, and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. But if Donald Trump Donald Trump All right, is real. Listen, I could do this now for the rest of the show. I mean, that is what is insane. By the way, the 21 words uttered by the FISA court that changed the Russia collusion narrative. I mean, uh, it's devastating what is in this. And John Solomon will be here to update all of us on that. And he has other breaking news today, how the FBI Russia collusion theory they knew in January of 2017 that they didn't have the story that the dossier was debunked. That's how deep that corruption goes that we've been telling you about. Um, it is really insane. But the new chief judge of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, in just 21 words, the, there is thus little doubt that the government breached its duty of candor to the court with respect to those applications. Wow. Just stand by. There's a lot going to happen. Listen. I understand um, for a lot of people, everybody's worried. Oh, my gosh. What if what if Biden wins the coronavirus, the fear that this and that? I, I get it. It's all part of what is every election cycle. There's something you can count on two things. Every election cycle, every two years, every four years, Democrats will say Republicans are racist. They are sexist. They are misogynist. They're xenophobic. They're homophobic. They're are Islamophobic Republicans. Their plan is for dirty air and dirty water, and they want granny and grandpa to die after a year of eating dog food and cat food. And then in will come a Donald Trump, Paul Ryan, John Boehner, Kevin McCarthy lookalike and throw them overboard, throw them off a cliff. It is who they are. It is what they do. It should not surprise you as it relates to Corona. Now, let me just go over this very quickly because I'm, I'm, I see what's happening. It's not hard. It's not complicated to figure out. A lot of panic has set in. And, you know, it's amazing to me. And maybe it's just I'm very logical and I do a lot of research and I like to know my subject matter. And it's probably one of the reasons why on this program we kind of pride ourselves in being right. I mentioned I learned a lesson with Richard Jewell. I was the only one saying uh, just because he lives with his mother and father doesn't make him uh, uh, a a bomber at at Centennial Park in Atlanta. If it's the sole, you know, criteria of a lone bomber, that's what the Atlanta Journal-Constitution says. It doesn't matter how many times the media's gotten it wrong, we've gotten it right. Whether it be UVA, whether it be Duke Lacrosse, whether it be Ferguson, Missouri, whether it be Baltimore, Maryland, whether it be Cambridge police, even, you know, we knew the testimony was coming in the case of Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin from the one guy that 
testify he saw Trayvon giving a ground and pound to George Zimmerman. Whether you like him or not, that was the testimony. I knew early on from my sources in Ferguson, Missouri, that the officer, Daryl Wilson's account was verified by numerous people, eyewitnesses to what happened there. And you see what ensued. And you see that the media never vetted Obama. And you could see that the same mob was out there, Russia, Russia, Russia. Did they ever apologize for their lies, their besmirchment, their character assassination, their conspiracy theories, their hoaxes? No. They just moved on to Ukraine. Now they're using a virus. But there's certain things that are just factual that you can't ignore. There has been, and Dr. Fauci was on Hannity last night. Do I... You know, this guy's been around since the Reagan era. He knows his stuff. He's been through one pandemic after another. It's sad. I wish we didn't have pandemics. World Health Organization. Yes, Corona is a pandemic, just like H1N1 2009 and 10 was a pandemic. And these things happen all the time. But there's got to be truth. There's got to be facts. There's got to be context. And yet. You know, you you see this hysteria created. Why? Because they see this. They don't see Biden as the ticket to beating Trump. They're hoping it's going to be coronavirus, sadly. And there is a breathlessness, just like in the Russia, Russia reporting, Ukraine, Ukraine reporting, the impeach, impeach reporting that has emerged here. And we can see what's happening. We see states acting the way they are. By the way, I'm not against any of that. If states want to close down schools, do it. They think it's in the safety and security and best interest of the people in their state, you know, especially states like Washington State. I I did like Gavin Newsom's uh, comments. Everything I could ever want a president to say to me, he said and he did and followed through on. That's kind of the way it should be, because and I'm not a big fan of Gavin Newsom. I don't agree with him politically, but he's working with the president to protect the people of his state and they got it done. That's the important. You would think that's the important thing when it comes to a virus. But there's never been a president that acted as quickly. And I'll tell you, it was a huge political risk. The travel ban, which has now been extended to other countries, Italy and Iran and, and wherever there is a larger outbreak. And the same thing with the quarantine that the president implemented. Smart by the president. Uh, We're seeing things and learning things about this virus that people should know about. The New England Journal of Medicine kids are not being impacted by this virus. And as an older person, 58, I'll tell you, I'd rather it be me. I'd rather me get the virus than my kids or your kids. You know, let's just be honest. I'm being blunt here. The CDC points out South Korea, nobody under 30 has died. In Japan, where there's a lot of outbreaks. In Japan, nobody under 50 has died. The those that are succumbing to the virus in the U.S., I think the number is now 26. Average age is 80. The president, though, took those unprecedented actions with the travel ban and quarantine. And by the way, got criticized as xenophobic and we're stigmatizing countries. Um, Fauci said last night, thousands of Americans likely would have contracted the disease had he not acted so quickly. President now has allocated eight point three billion dollars Uh, The president now has worked on a plan to help uh, uh, those industries, the airline industry, cruise line industry, hourly workers that may be impacted, afraid to take a day off or a week off if they need it uh, so that they'll be protected. The jobs will be protected. There will be no copay if you want to test now for the coronavirus. They might have been slow in getting the tests out, but they're now out in the millions. Anybody can get them. Uh, States, they need to do their part. If they need to cancel schools, teleworking, whatever they have to do, fine. 
The next step is, and I know it's happening, they're training hospital staff. We got to keep those that protect us when we are sick. We got to keep them safe. Uh, they're also preparing, as I understand it, in certain areas, you know, the ability to have, you know, these triage centers built instantaneously to further quarantine to prevent spread. Um, the inevitable impact on the economy is real. It'll likely be short term. And, and I think people understand why. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't relate to it doesn't stop people from politicizing it. Um, when you compare it or Johns Hopkins, when they say, well, it's actually more dangerous to get the flu. The flu is far more, you know, most people probably don't know that we lose up to 70,000 people a year from the flu. I mean, that's every year. Tens of thousands of Americans die every year from the flu. That is called context and perspective. Uh, if you look at China, the good news out of there with over 80,000 cases there's only 3,000 deaths. That's 3,000 too many. But, you know, China, I'm a little ticked off at because they did not do the right thing by the rest of the world. And they deserve more blame for this. They should have sought the world's help immediately. Dr. Drew Pinsky saying Corona panic is more dangerous than coronavirus. I don't claim to know what's motivating the media. But my God, he says they're reporting what is absolutely reprehensible. They should be ashamed of themselves. They are creating a panic that is far worse than the viral outbreak. Because what he's saying is, even if you get it, if you don't have underlying health conditions, you're not older, and you don't have a compromised immune system, you're going to recover. That's what all the evidence shows. He says, what I have a problem with is the panic, the fact that businesses are getting destroyed, people's lives are being upended, not by the virus, but by panic. The panic must stop. The press, they really somehow need to be held accountable because they're hurting the people in this country. They're overreacting. It makes me furious. The press needs to shut up because you're more likely to die influenza right now. Bad flu season results in 80,000 dead Americans. We've got 18,000 dead from influenza this year. What? Now we're at, what, 31, 32 with corona. Um, you know, it's, these are the people that's not going to stop the mob. You know, you have Governor Cuomo. He's now blaming the coronavirus on Trump. Well, that started on day one. Katrina, this is his Iran hostage crisis. This is his Chernobyl. What the other countries did is they did the massive testing. You know, China was doing 200,000 tests a day. South Korea was doing 15,000 tests a day. We've done 5,000 to date. Uh, So what I would say wrong numbers, and he's not telling you the truth about is he's not telling you the truth. Yeah, that's been rectified. But I'll tell you, I mean, this is what did the New York Times say? It's the Trump virus. And if you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. Um, then they've got, you know, a candidate that's weak. And by the way, if you want the country's opinion, putting aside the mob and the media, Rasmussen survey, uh, 90 plus percent of the media against them, blaming Trump for the coronavirus. Well, uh, Gateway Pundit points out that as of yesterday, uh, that the president's approval rating is fine and he's getting pretty good grades on everything else. There's an MIT guy I noticed on Twitter. And, you know, he's saying pretty much the same thing. He does research nearly every single day on immune systems. He said, quote, coronavirus fear mongering by the deep state will go down in history as one of the biggest frauds to manipulate economies, suppress dissent and push mandated medicines. May be true. Now, it may get worse before it gets better, but ultimately, I'm confident in the people that we have. 
By the way, Joe Biden, our new uh, campaign slogan, restore dignity and you're full of beep. Democratic establishment, they're like desperate now. Oh, we can't have debates because of Corona. No, we got to stop. We can't have people. Can't have Corona. His son tried to pull that, too, with the case of paternity. You know, I've not criticized Joe Biden's son over that. Try to leave his family issues aside. His corruption issues are another matter. But there's not a single case reported in Arkansas. But apparently they settled that. All right, 800-941-SHOT. Listen, our goal is this. On this show is we want to give you truth, news, information, and we want every American healthy and every American safe. That's it. It shouldn't be politicized. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330. I'm here to ask you for your help. Where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. We have to just change the culture, period, and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. But if Donald Hump Donald Trump is reelected. 
Freudian slip. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The, it's not hypothetical. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. The words that stun the nation, and I would argue, I know, shocked the world. International leaders spoke about it. You had people like Margaret. That excuse me. You had people like the, the former chairman and leader of the party in in Germany. You had Angela Merkel. Just like in my generation, when I got out of school, that uh, when Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King had been assassinated in, in the 70s, uh, late 70s. When I got engaged, my son, the one who my deceased son was the attorney general of the United States. And before that, he was a federal prosecutor in one of the largest offices in the country, the in, in Philadelphia. Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday. And I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? Although I had met uh, Sully and his wife at an event in Los Angeles back in the, in the spring, late fall early i mean late spring late winter early fall early anyway you know what i mean you must register that weapon you must register it when you register it the likelihood of it being used diminishes exponentially one of the things i'm proudest of is getting passed getting moved getting control of the paris climate accord i'm the guy that came back after meeting with deng xiaoping and making the case that I believe China would join if we put pressure on them. Why in God's name should someone who's clipping coupons in the stock market make, in fact, pay a lower tax rate than someone who, in fact, is, uh, like I said, the, a school teacher and a firefighter? Chip in and support our campaign. Text Joe 23. Excuse me, I got to get this right. Joe 230330. You know. I didn't go, you, are you with Donald Trump? That's all right, let him go. There's not, a, there's not a Trump rally. There's not a Trump rally, let him go. Let, let him go, let him go. The Bernie bros are here, let him go. Folks, folks, let him go, that's okay. Let him go. Let him go. All right. So it looks like Quid and Pro and Quo and Joe are now going to, well, lead the Democratic Party and the, be the top of the ticket. Come November, we're, we are only 237 days away. Uh, now we have a guy that is running that I think it is certainly legitimate to raise questions if he has the strength, the stamina, the mental toughness, if you will, to take on the hardest job in the world. Fair question whether the media likes it or not. They're trying to avoid even mentioning it at all times. Secondly, then you got the issue of corruption. Ukraine is real. There's a real investigation there. Ron Johnson investigating here in the U.S. Other countries, zero experience hunter, quid pro quo, Joe, that will all be a factor. He has a record. He has a record, for example, on, well, how did they handle H1N1? We're going to talk about viruses. That now will be a legitimate question. Uh, then it's the question of, oh, why did you give $150 billion uh, in cash and other currencies to the Iranians? And, okay, your economic record, it didn't work out so well, and you're promising to raise taxes, and you're promising open borders, and you're promising more Obamacare, and you're promising free health care for illegal immigrants and uh, citizenship to such. 
and pretty much everything Bernie's offering, except in a different way. Anyway, our pollsters are here with reaction. John McLaughlin is with us. Matt Towery with us. Scott Rasmussen with us. Uh, gentlemen, you all agree. First of all, open question. Scott, I guess we'll let you answer first. Uh, is Joe Biden the guy now? Well, Joe Biden is probably the guy. But, Sean, look, I was a, a hockey player as a kid. I was a goalie. And when you went into the third period. Oh, I league, love scoring off you guys. I scored yeah, a million exactly. goals. I was a center. That's all I did was try well, and beat goalies. You never, you never would have gotten the puck past me. But having I'll said take that, that contest now. Go ahead. All right. All right. Well, we'll do that. We'll get out on the ice. Uh, look, uh, when you go into the third period of a hockey game and you're the goalie with the lead, nothing good can happen. You just want the game to end. And right now, the Biden campaign just wants this primary to end. They don't want to have a debate on Sunday night. They don't want to continue battling uh, Sanders. And the reason is simple. Uh, buyer's remorse could set in. Something bad could happen in one of those debates. And then where would the Democrats be? So I agree that Joe Biden is very, very likely to be the nominee. Uh, but there have been surprises already this season. And if he stumbles badly on a debate, we could see another change. In fact, he'd have to look as bad it, as Mike it, Bloomberg did to make that happen, but anything is possible. John McLaughlin. Yeah, I agree with Scott, but the, the, the phrase I would use is, this is Joe Biden's to lose. So he's, he's, he's ahead in the delegate count now, but he still has less than half the delegates he needs to win. And they're afraid if Bernie keeps going on, he could deadlock this thing. Plus, Bernie, you saw the statement this afternoon he made. He raised questions that Biden has to answer in the next debate. So he's upping the ante. They thought that he was calling a press conference to drop out. Instead, Sanders called a press conference to say Joe Biden needs to answer these questions about about what what he would do with coronavirus, what he would do with health care, what he would do with this. He's going to have to show competency. And this won't be a debate among 10 people where he only speaks for 10 minutes. This will be a debate where it's two hours and he has to carry an hour. And he's gas prone. The Democrats, like you said, they are petrified. They want to quarantine Joe Biden right now so that he doesn't have the risk of blowing the nomination. Well, this is what Matt Towery, James Clyburn, was saying. Well, you don't do anything uh, but get yourself in trouble if we have any more debates. We can't have any more debates. It's going to be Biden. Uh, and then you got James Carville. All right, this, pro this primary is over. Let's shut this puppy down. And then, okay, look at, let's see, seven-minute stump speeches, 12-minute stump speeches, nothing over 15 minutes uh, because Joe is, uh, well, let's just say, not exactly at the top of his game. Uh, you heard this poor staff person of Biden, you know, in this Michigan rally yesterday and and say, shush, you shush. I mean, I'm like, whoa, that was a little rough. And then telling a guy to shut the hell up and everything else he said. Well, yeah, I listened to Scott and you guys were hockey players in high school. I was a geek debater, but I did win a national championship out of that. And oh, good. You, you were the kids that we used debate. to fight all the time. Go ahead. <laughs> I, no, no, you're not you're the kids you used to pick on. <laughs> but anyway, uh, here's what I think. Let's remember Walter Mondale versus Ronald Reagan back in 1984. If you recall, Reagan had a terrible debate. And uh, a lot of questions came out in the media about his mental acuity. I mean, specifically, that term was used. I don't know what's going to happen with Bernie Sanders and whether – Biden's going to be, be able to hold in and hold up during that or not. But I know one thing, if the media doesn't do the same thing they did with Reagan back many decades ago, then we've got a real rope-a-dope on the part of the media, not the politicians. Okay, Biden but is there is any, but, but Matt, I mean, that's obvious yeah. what they're doing. They're, listen, they're, they're, they've even now politicized the virus 
There's not one good thing anybody in the media can say about what Donald Trump has done. Now, if you want to criticize, well, he hasn't been alarmed enough. He didn't he didn't put the country in a state of panic. The the test kits were a little slow in getting out there. Okay, that's legitimate in my mind. But no president ever put in place a travel ban on a quarantine as quickly as this one did. Well, I'll make a prediction. I will predict that by November of this this year, the election, that Donald Trump, the entire issue will turn around on the Democrats, just like every other issue has. And Donald Trump will look like a hero in his handling of this. He's not caused panic, but he's put committees together, groups together, the vice president to handle this. We have to do it in increments, and he's doing it in increments. And I think he needs, in the end, he will be vindicated. Do you agree with that, Scott Rasmussen? I think there's a good chance of it. Uh, again, what's you know what's the virus going to look like in a month? If if a month from today we're saying that you know, gee, it was good. Oh, I can tell you what it's going to look like a month from now. Well, we we will have more yeah. Americans that have tested positive for Corona. Uh, again, the if, some things are not going to change. Those with right. that are older with underlying medical conditions, compromised immune systems, they are the most vulnerable to death. Uh, As John Hopkins has said, the flu is far more dangerous than Corona, but perception is reality. And we've got to accept that. Right. That's what it's going to look like. And things will slow down with the economy. Right. But if the if the impact of it, if I mean, right now, it seems every three minutes on social media, you get a new alert of something closing down. If we're beginning to return to normalcy and people begin to realize, yes, this was serious, but it wasn't uh, at panic levels. And all of a sudden we're playing baseball games in the regular stadiums and things in March Madness is going along as normal. Well, the closer we get to that, uh, the more I agree with Matt's assessment. All right, John, so I, I really want your thought, the actions that have been and now are being taken. I, the great thing is what, Sean, what you've said is that the country is facing this historic challenge, and the president... As a, as a businessman, an outsider, a leader, he, he thrives on challenges like this. And today he's putting in policies in place that would definitely protect the American public in terms of uh, prevention, detection, treatment, and as well as he's pushing to make sure we get a vaccine that cures this so that ultimately whatever negative impacts are happening now or even to the economy later on, he's going to make sure they're fixed. And by November, the voters will see that. And Matt, the president, look. And the media mob will never admit this. He's taken every precaution to protect the American people, as has the VP. And they got their task force. Nobody's paying attention to what they're saying. But, you know, obviously everything is in place. Is there anything the mob and the media, are they ever going to give this guy credit for anything? I don't think there's anything the mainstream media would ever give him credit uh, for, regardless of what he did or does. Um, The president, actually, the, the most important thing he did is he cut off travel from non-Americans from China very early on, which was highly criticized by the Democrats. They said he was xenophobic and the like. Obviously, that wasn't the case, and, and that gave us time to prepare. I think this president has, has had a measured approach. Yes, he's not made a panic out of it, but in fact, the panic is what's now causing the big problem in this country. Look, I sold all of my stocks back four weeks ago. I knew this was going to be serious, and I'm, I'm not a long-term investor in, in the corporation I have. I'm a short-term investor. That's why I did it. I don't advise it for most folks. But I did it because I knew this was going to be an issue. I do not believe it's going to be the end of the country. And the president has handled it in a measured fashion to make sure that other people don't feel that way as well. So, Scott, today we heard from Bernie Sanders. He accusing Trump of being everything from xenophobic, homophobic, sexist, and racist, and then even wanting to undo the Constitution. 
look, I expect that every two and four years. Uh, but by the way, this is the guy that that regularly now defends murdering dictatorships and communism. Well, we you know certainly don't believe that Bernie would have a better plan for Corona. Uh, but but your point is made by what we saw in 2016. Hillary Clinton kept talking about Donald Trump and how bad a person he was. Donald Trump talked about issues. He got out and talked about immigration and other topics that were considered off-limits in polite society, um, and that's the reason he became president. And the Democrats, if they keep focusing on Donald Trump, yes, they will get the resistance out, and yes, they will get some base supporters out, but that is not the way to win over the swing voters. It is not the way to convert any of the voters who abandoned Democrats, the working-class voters who abandoned Democrats in 2016. Uh, they will do so again. Look, no matter how you talk about this, Americans care less about the politicians and the political leaders than they do what's happening in the country. And so all of the things that Bernie Sanders is talking about uh, are really secondary issues, if at all. And then the way he presents them, he lacks credibility. And, John, you know, Bernie spoke this morning talking about all the delegates that he lost in Michigan, but focusing, going back to voter turnout and enthusiasm of the base, the person that got records again yesterday was donald trump and by the way and is he having a hillary clinton moment in the sense that the whole popular vote versus the delegate count i mean bernie's not going anywhere and i think he's you know right in a lot of ways but you know they're really two peas in a pod uh but you know can he beat the democratic establishment at this point well he's trying he didn't throw in the towel they're putting they're putting all the pressure they can put on him to get out now because they're afraid what happens when biden gets challenged I mean, I mean, right now they know that they got a candidate that the Democrat establishment has lifted on their shoulders with endorsements, and they're all riding with him. And they're afraid he's so fragile that he won't be able to survive a debate with Bernie. I mean, this is unbelievable, and Bernie seems ready to take it to him. So Bernie takes it to him, and Biden can't perform. It's going to be chaos on the other side. And your point is... We've got a serious crisis with the coronavirus right now in the country, and the president is dealing with it, and the Democrats are playing politics, and they're going to find out that the coronavirus doesn't just affect Republicans. Independents, Democrats could be threatened by this, could be adversely impacted, and the president is there trying to help all Americans. All right, guys, as usual, thank you. Our pollsters, Scott Rasmussen, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery, uh, we will have you back regularly, often. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Steele misstated or exaggerated the primary subsources statements in multiple sections of the reporting. Director Comey, not only do you fail to go back to the president-elect or president after January 20th and tell him, oh, you know that report I briefed you on? Turns out it's bunk. But the, FI the FBI can goes back and renews its FISA application three more times. And by this point, the FBI knows that the, the steel reporting is not credible. Yeah, I think you're mischaracterizing both what the FBI knew and what Mr. Horowitz says in his report. They didn't conclude the reporting from Steele was bunk. They concluded there were significant questions about the reliability of some of the subsource reporting. That should have been included in the renewals. But when I briefed the president, I briefed him on a small part of it that I told him I didn't know whether it was true or not. I didn't care. I just needed him to know about it. I think you're mischaracterizing. Steele isn't, or rather, uh, Horowitz isn't saying that the that the uh, subsource, the Russian contact, was unreliable or was inaccurate. The Russian contact said to the FBI, Steele is unreliable because he misrepresented. Steele misstated or exaggerated the source's statements in multiple sections of the report. He's saying, I told him one thing and he wrote something else. The FBI knew that. Yeah, but that doesn't drive a conclusion that Steele's reporting is bunk. I mean, there's a number of tricky things to that. First, you're interviewing the subsource after all the reporting has become public. And so as a counterintelligence investigator, you have to think, is he walking away from it because it's now public? Well, but, and that has to go into your but, assessment but, but of Mr. It, Steele. It, is, it hadn't, I mean, if it had become public it, just barely, this is in January of 2017. This isn't two years later. Right, this is when it blew up, when it was published by whatever the outfit is, BuzzFeed, was all over the news and had become a big deal. Former FBI Director James Comey said this week that, that your report vindicates him. Is that a fair assessment of your report? Um, I, you know, I think the activities we found here don't vindicate anybody who touched this. Okay. To get so when Comey speaks about FISA, you shouldn't listen. You should listen to Mr. Horowitz. He's not vindicated. And to be concerned about the FISA warrant process is not nonsense. All right, that is unbelievable. New story, John Solomon. He's had two big ones in the last couple of days. Uh, Russia collusion, the FBI's theory, fell apart in the first month of Donald Trump's presidency. Now, we had gotten early indications of this when Lisa Page finally told us, yeah, we investigated this nine months and we had nothing, nothing. 
There's no there there, Peter Strzok said. And now with the release of FBI files and the Russia collusion witch hunt, we now know an essential fact, and that is that James Comey's FBI had substantially debunked the theory that Donald Trump's campaign conspired with Moscow as it relates to the 2016 election. That raises the question, why did A, James Comey, sign off on the dirty Russian dossier that was debunked, which, again, at the top of a FISA warrant, it says verified, and it's not only unverifiable, but later debunked. But we now know in 2017 in January, there were multiple warnings about the credibility of informant Christopher Steele. And maybe this goes to the heart of what the FISA court judge is saying in, in that the 21 words, which we will get to in a second, that Christopher Steele and his dossier. They also affirm key targets of the FBI counterintelligence investigation made exculpatory statements uh, denying collusion uh, to undercover sources. They ruled out that Michael Flynn was engaged in collusion with the Russians, according to the memos. And now it raises a lot of questions. More qu- and, and this gets to the heart of how could they ever have used an unverifiable, now debunked dossier. And they were warned numerous times, even ahead of signing on to the FISA warrants. But they knew before Mueller that it, there was no credibility to it. It shows you how deep. The deep state is. Anyway, John Solomon, justthenews.com, uh, has the very latest on this. Uh, John, great work the last couple of days. Why don't you bring us up to speed? Yep, sitting in my hand right now, I'm going to read you this, um, Sean. This is a memo that uh, Special Counsel Mueller's office sent the Flynn defense team back in the 2018, and it refers back to January 2017. President Trump is just taking office on the 20th of January 17, and at that time, everybody's saying Russia collusion, Russia collusion, president may go down, this is Watergate. Here's a memo that um, Mueller sent to Flynn team. There was an internal DOJ memo dated January 30th, 2017, after the FBI interviewed Mike Flynn a few days earlier. The FBI advised in that memo, told DOJ that based on the interview, the FBI did not believe, I'm going to repeat, did not believe Flynn was acting as an agent of Russia. Now, you go back and you look at everything, the Washington Post, the New York Times, Adam Schiff, everybody was saying the FBI at that very moment had concluded, had determined Flynn wasn't on the Russian payroll. He wasn't hijacking the election. He wasn't an agent. That is one of five revelations that came to light in January of 2017 that cut the entire Russia collusion narrative to shreds. And we were kept from it for two and a half years. In fact, we were kept from it until just recently when this document made its way into the court files. It's kind of unbelievable to me. But with this revelation now, I think we're getting a, a maybe uh, some insight into exactly what Durham and Barr are working on. It, right. it, it seems clear based on their statements that, yeah, our president was spied on. It's they're dropping these little crumbs telling us that it's much deeper. It's broader. It's wider. It goes further. That's right. Yeah, and I think uh, you also understand why the attorney general now appointed a special prosecutor to revisit the conduct of his own prosecutors in the Flynn case. If you find out that in January of 2017, Flynn isn't a Russian agent, but you twist him for eight, nine, ten months more, trying to get him to plead to a crime you know he didn't commit because you've already rolled it out, 
you start to see the outlines of why there might be a misconduct investigation, why there might be a review. So when Barr got criticized, oh, that's a political thing, here's the evidence that shows it's not political at all, quite the opposite. There is a legitimate question of misconduct or abuse of power and how they handled Mike Flynn and then how they handled all of the revelations about Steele's dossier falling apart. The American public was kept in the dark. And, and, and while that was happening, while we still thought collusion might be real, what was the FBI doing? They were pivoting. They knew Russia collusion was gone. They were trying to set up a trap to move a different case, to move to obstruction because they knew their original crime wasn't there. That is such an abuse of power. That is what the Justice Department has in front of it now in the form of this evidence. It is really unbelievable to me. Uh, do you have any insight? I mean, uh, let me let me backtrack before I get to that question. Sure. Um, what what escaped notice, as you point out in your article contained in that one sentence and the one sealed court motion that was filed by Flynn defense attorney, Sidney Powell, friend of this program, and the Brady material she was requesting is that the motion dated September 11, 2019, requested access to an internal DOJ uh, document dated January 30, 2017, That's in which right. the FBI exonerated Mr. Flynn of being an agent of Russia. We already know that the agents that interviewed General Flynn did not think he was lying, and he was pressured. First of all, he had financial pressures. He had to sell his house, but more importantly, they threatened to go after his own son. That right. has been established. But then Emmett Sullivan, the judge in this particular case, denied the request for the Brady materials, saying that it, they didn't exist which kind of surprised me in the end, because you and I both know they do. Well, yeah, on this point, he did say that the document exists. Here's what he said. Because Michael Flynn ultimately didn't plead guilty to the crime of colluding with Russia, he wasn't entitled to it. That's a pretty tough argument to make, certainly for the American public. I don't know where the courts will come down on it. But one of the things that is certain, we no longer have to rely on, on uh, Sidney Powell's good court work, because I actually have the document. I have the passage from... Uh, Special Counsel Mueller, where he talks about this memo and he confirms it. It's no longer a guess of the Flynn team. This memo exists. I've read it. I've, I'm quoting from it in my story. So here's another question. Why doesn't Robert Mueller disclose these sort of things in his report? Why does he leave a lot of unanswered questions about missuit, about Steele? He doesn't mention Steele at all in the report. And he doesn't mention the fact that the FBI exonerated Mike Flynn on January 30th, 2017. It goes to the questions of the Mueller report. It goes to the questions and the conduct of these prosecutors. Um, all of this is sitting in plain view, but the FBI and the Justice Department have benefited from the fact this has all come out piecemeal, right? There's tons of... Well, but there's more to this, though, in your story. Powell, yeah. meeting Sidney, confirmed that the special she counsel does. possessed the telegram that was uh, in early January 2017 to Flynn from Britain's national security advisor, raining, r raising concerns about Steele's credibility... The British government hand-delivered the letter Flynn's team to Flynn's team that totally disavowed any credibility of Christopher Steele would have completely destroyed the Russia-Russia collusion narrative. But yet still, James Comey had signed off now at this point on two FISA applications, knowing that it's unverifiable and now debunked. Uh, Flynn himself didn't have a, a memory of receiving it, but that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant because it exists. That's and right. You know, and to add to that, your previous column, which headline was the 21 words uttered by the FISA court that changed the Russia collusion case forever. That's and right. if you don't mind, I'll I'll read it to people. It's from the U.S. District Judge James uh, Boisberg, the new chief judge in the uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. 
and providing the first judicial declaration that the FBI had misled the court. Quote, there is thus little doubt that the government breached its duty of candor to the court with respect to those applications. You're right. Those 21 words mean that's a crime. That's premeditated fraud on a FISA court. I'd go to jail. You'd go to jail. Basically, in court speak, the judge said, you lied to me and I'm not happy. And why is that important? For more than two years, we've watched people like Rod Rosenstein. You've played that clip many times. But people don't understand how seriously we take the FISA process. James Comey all said, listen, uh, we, we were well-intentioned. We didn't do anything wrong. And if there were any mistakes, they were process mistakes. Well, guess what? The judge didn't call them process mistakes. In fact, he said fixing the process won't fix what happened here. It was a, a situation of candor, of honesty. Your, your FBI, your Justice Department misled my court. That is a complete re- rebuttal, refutal of everything that James Comey, Rod Rosenstein, and the other apologists had been giving the American public for two years. That's why that ruling is so very important. It's so very important and so scary. All right, you've been skeptical about whether there will be grand juries convened and and whether or not there will be prosecutions, which I don't know. I don't know what that means for the future of the country. If we have a dual, that would mean we have a dual justice system. Uh, you know, uh, for example, everyone's talking about, well, let's bring in Julian Assange. Well, WikiLeaks describes itself as a journalistic organization. You might not like how they get their information. They've never been proven wrong in 14 years. Uh, We do have a a precedent-setting case called the Pentagon Papers. I think it would be tough to prosecute what they print uh, on WikiLeaks as a crime. Um, If we're going to spend time, effort, and energy for extradition, I'd prefer we spend it on getting steel over here. Yeah, and uh, listen, there's a reason for the skepticism. And uh, again, it's not a criticism. It's, I think, a reality of the system. And so first off, what do we know? We already know two or three criminal referrals have been made and two have been declined. So Michael Horowitz thought he saw criminality. That's why he made referrals on Comey and McCabe. And in both cases, the Barr Justice Department chose not to make those prosecutions. Why do we think that happened? My reporting indicates they did not believe they could get a D.C. Grand, a grand jury or a jury to convict. And if you don't think you have a reasonable chance of conviction, you shouldn't bring the charge. That's the ethical thing to do. I think what we should look for in the next few weeks is whether a plea deal is cut with the third person who is referred, Mr. Kleinsmith, a former lawyer who is accused in the IG report of altering a document, hiding the CIA role that Carter Page played, that he was a patriot. Well, that would be an indication they're looking to go yeah. higher. That's right. If they don't, if they just plead him out or if they, or if they go to trial on him, uh, I think the likelihood of rolling up the chain like you do in the mob or anywhere else is lower. I think there's three things you're going to see happen. First, you're going to find out that the Justice Department had its own concerns about the treatment of Michael Flynn. That's going to come out, I'm certain. The second part you're going to find out is that the investigation into collusion started much earlier than July 2016. It's going to go back to December. And it may have been a broader effort to find any connection between any Republicans running for president and Russia. And third, I think you're going to find out there's additional misconduct that goes beyond what was in the FISA, uh, other tactics and things that were there. Those are three things that I think John Durham and the Justice Department are likely to unveil in the next few months. 
All right, John Solomon reporting. Thank you. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload in the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. There's only one really simple man who's not simple in all of the U.S., that's why we play this song. Uh, Leonard Skinner, Simple Man, and that would be Bill O'Reilly. All things O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. How are you, Mr. O'Reilly, sir? Are you preventing yourself from getting the coronavirus? No. I'm doing what I always do. Um, I'm a fatalist. If uh, my time <laughs> no. is up, living in the basement on freeze-dried That's simple. You, you know, at yeah, the end I of mean, the day. Di- look, I, I don't put myself at risk. I never do that. Um, I always uh, am cautious, and I respect my body and mind. I take care of it. But, yeah, if i got to go out, I'm going out, and I'm not um, uh, hunkering down here because— Can I uh, be philosophical a minute? Yeah. Okay. We're all dying, and I'm not trying to be Irish here, but I'm, that's kind of an Irish thing if you think about it. Yep. And number two, we don't own anything. 
We all think we own our homes. We own our cars. We own our expensive watches. I hate watches. I don't even have one. We own this. We own that. Guess what, Bill? When you die, someone else is living in your house, driving your car, and wearing your watch unless you're stupid enough to take it into the grave with you. But you can torture those people now and get revenge. (laughs) That's Um, a simple thought. That's not complicated at all. You know, but the thing is, look, everything that we really can be doing, we're doing. Now, there are a few things that we need to make adjustments on. We need to prepare for every worst-case scenario. Um, if there's any good news in all of this, uh, Betsy McCoy had it in her column. Uh, young people are not getting the disease, and when they do, they're not dying from this disease. The average age of mortality is 80, and that's if you have underlying medical conditions and a compromised immune system. But I don't want anybody sick. You don't want anybody sick. Look, it's one of these things in life that sends a message to thinking individuals and it's a little bit tied into what you were saying. You don't have any control. You really don't have any control. And so live your life. Be honest. Be generous. Um, because tomorrow, who knows what could happen? And that's the ultimate message. Now, in politics, this is going to have an effect. Certainly economically it will. We'll go into a slight recession. I don't know how long that will last. No one does. But in the political realm, it's good that it happened now rather than in September. Um, So by September, we all hope that this is over and that people can resume their daily lives. But look, this happens. Life happens. And to panic or to do things that are irrational, that's says a lot about you, the person who's doing it. There's a lot of people that are doing it. Um, Look, I think that I can't remember, and you've been in media longer than me, I can't remember a time. We've had many pandemics. It's officially a pandemic, according to the WHO. Uh, We saw, we lost, what, nearly 14,000 or so Americans with H1N1. That was Biden-Obama. They waited months and months for Obama to officially declare a national emergency. They never had a travel ban. They never had any quarantine. I never saw panic like we're seeing now. But that, you know what, that, that, that just is the way the news works. I mean, yeah, that's the there, there's fundamental and, unfairness baked in. And particularly the Internet. If you go on the Internet to the major news sites, it's bubonic plague. You know, there's a guy waiting outside in your driveway with a cart and you just throw the body in it. So the Internet has decided because they want clicks, they want people to come in and look at their uh, wares, that they're going to make this into the worst thing that's ever happened to civilization. That's the difference. And the media in television, uh, because that's the primary media now, uh, picks up on that. And all the ratings for television news programs are skewed. But here's something really interesting. Despite impeachment, despite corona, all of that, the nightly news ratings for all three of them are going down. That shows a repudiation that people don't believe what they hear on the media now. So they're going over to the cable. The cable news ratings are up, um, and then they're going into the Internet. But it, it's, you know, we live in a world now where you, the media can put you into a panic. Certainly the stock market is reacting to that um, within an hour. And everybody's running around, and that's where we are. Well, it looks like it's, you were right. You called this a number of weeks ago. I don't remember when you first called it, but you did. Uh, Biden is going to be the nominee at this point. 
Now you have ago. guys like, uh, how long ago? I, you go ahead and brag. I don't care. You're a no, simple I, man. I'm, bragging is uh, part of my DNA. Uh, <laughs> I, I predicted Biden would win. But I have to say, be honest, that I wavered a little, um, you know, when uh, he went out and, and, and started babbling. And then he hasn't stopped babbling. So, but I knew that Bernie Sanders wasn't going to make it. And um, well, they turned on him, didn't they? Oh yeah. But the, this, once he said on sixty minutes, you know, Fidel Castro wasn't all that bad. That was the end. And then the establishment. You see, you're the Democrats. only other person besides me that had pointed that out. Castro's not bad. Uh, yeah, not bad. You know, praising murdering dictatorships. I mean, one after another. Listen. Bernie Sanders actually believes that Castro wasn't that bad. That alone disqualifies him from running this country. Fidel Castro was a mass murderer, in addition to being a human rights violator. You get it, Bernie? No, he doesn't get it, because he lives in, an, an, in a layer of ozone that few human beings have ever entered. He's a dangerous man, as I said on your radio show uh, time and time again. Bernie Sanders is a dangerous man, and Americans who vote for him are either stupid or they are incredibly callous to the destruction that a Bernie Sanders would bring to traditional America. Now, we understand a lot of people hate traditional America, and the Democratic Party is thrown in with that. So the question now becomes, how will Joe Biden govern? Will he stand up to the progressive far-left kooks? And the answer to that question is no. He won't. Let me ask you a question. James Clyburn said the following. Well, I'll start with Carville. Carville said, all right, let's shut this puppy down. Democratic primary is over. Clyburn actually said the night is over. Joe Biden is is the prohibitive favorite to win the Democratic nomination. He says uh, he wants to cancel all future debates because, quote, you don't do anything but get yourself in trouble if you continue in this contest when it's obvious the numbers will not shake out for you. Bernie Sanders comes out today with a list of questions he wants Joe to answer, which are pretty powerful questions, something Joe will never get from the media. I'm under fire today. Uh, your friends over at Mediate, Hannity attacks Biden's physical mental health in bizarre rant. Yeah, and this is it. what I said, Mr. O'Reilly. If I went over the top, I will apologize. Uh, I'll ask again. Does this 77-year-old guy, and I'm reading... That we're watching every day now, does he have the stamina, does he have the strength, does he have the focus, the alertness, the mental focus, focus, mental toughness, and stability to be president? And then I said it's a fair question. Is this how we're going to treat world leaders, talking about how Biden reacted to the Michigan Union member yesterday? Um, Biden will have to answer questions about quid pro quo and about zero experience hunter. He also has the Biden-Obama track record, the Iranian deal, the bad economy, and how they responded to H1N1. And I think they're all fair questions, but apparently I went off on a bizarre rant, Mr. O'Reilly. Well, it's not unusual for you, Hannity. A bizarre rant is pretty much in your DNA. Um, look, all you, you know, have to do... I mean, I don't even know why I like you. I don't even like... I don't like no you. No one likes me. I don't know Nobody why likes you. a mystery. Listen, and I think you mentioned this. I think you mentioned it first. All you got to do is go back to Reagan. These far-left kooks who are attacking you did the same thing to Reagan, but a lot worse. They didn't ask questions. Mm -hmm. They attacked Ronald Reagan as being senile, inefficient, incapable. I wrote a book called Killing Reagan. 
I that, was a, that was a very all. mean book, Killing Jesus, Killing Reagan. The next book after your new book in May is going to be Killing Hannity. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. But think back to the just vicious. All you got to do is archive the New York Times and, and see what they said about Ronald Reagan's mental Bill, you, you and I, again, we're the only two people that have brought that point up. Oh, I don't know was, anybody was, else that's brought it up. It was crazy. So, but here's the interesting story on Sunday night. So Bernie Sanders' only chance is to drive Biden crazy. Remember I said this. Sanders' only chance, he's staying in, as he said today in Vermont. I'm staying in. I know I can't win, but I'm staying in anyway. But he didn't say why. He's going to try to drive Biden crazy. Now, the Democrats are telling him behind the scenes, hey, Bernie, don't go after him. Don't do this. But Bernie could lay Biden out on Sunday because it's just those two. No audience, just pinheaded moderators who won't do anything. All right. So if Bernie wants to, he can do an Elizabeth Warren on Biden instead of Elizabeth Warren on Bloomberg. Same thing could happen. Do I think it will? No. I think Bernie will be general. He Let me ask in. you a very, very straightforward question. Yes. Am I right in my observation? Look, I, I look at Joe Biden from years ago, and I look at Joe Biden today. He seems like a shadow of his former self, unhinged. I mean, look, these gaffes are... To me, very alarming the way he treats voters, calling them fat, you know, wanting to, to have arm wrestling matches with them, fights with them. What he said to this guy yesterday in Michigan, um, seven minute speeches, 12 minute speeches, nothing more than 15 minute speeches. Um, something is really happening. It appears to me cognitively. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on radio or TV, but he doesn't seem up to the task, Bill. Let the voters make that decision. What you and I have to do is honest commentators. All right, honestly, am I right? Well, I'll tell you what. Hold that thought for the other all side. Right. Bill O'Reilly is with us. All things O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. You can pre-order his new book uh, that is out in May, now at BillOReilly.com. All right, as we continue, Simple Man Bill O'Reilly is uh, with us, BillOReilly.com. New book coming out in May. All It's part of your killing series, correct? Killing Crazy Horse, the Merciless Indian Wars in America. It's the editor who's done. I'm really all, interested uh, in this. Yeah, I really the am. The editor who's done all nine killing books says is the best one. All right, so, so we'll you take... never sent me an early copy. You're a no, cheapskate. You told you told me privately Stop I have whining. to pay for my copy when it comes out. Stop whining. You'll get a free copy advanced this weekend. <laughs> all right, come on. All right, let's go to Biden and his mental, uh, well, yes. acuity, if you will. He's befuddled. All right. Now, I was never very impressed with Joe Biden. By the way, that's that shows your age. Nobody says befuddled, Bill. Yes, word. the word of the day. Look it up. It's a great word. He's befuddled and bewildered. You know what my mother right. used to say? You will rue the day. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, I've never. I was never real impressed with Joe Biden's uh, mental acuity when he was twenty-eight. Um, he's a pal. He's always been in government. He doesn't give any money to charity. Um, you know, I really don't have a lot of use for Mr. Biden. I've run into him a couple of times. He never would sit for an interview with me. Barack Obama did three times. He never would because I think he understands he's not the brightest guy in the world, and he isn't. So now we're seeing a man in the twilight of his years who uh, goes to the early bird specials and is uh, tucked in by 9 o'clock. Now he can't do that. 
So it's uh, shaking them up a little bit. All right. Let me ask you this. And by the way, uh, we're not as old as Joe because neither one of us would ever know what dog face pony. What is it? Dog face pony soldier means anyway. Even um, the dog face pony soldiers didn't know what that was. Yeah, I don't what, think that, what is I don't that? think there's anybody that knew what that meant. <laughs> um, the, the problem here is, look, we're assuming and I really do believe that the president. I mean, there are certainly improvements we could make. I think the president's job now, as it relates to Corona, is to get ahead of what are, what are the worst case scenarios for hospitals, for keeping other Americans from contracting the disease, uh, explaining who is really susceptible and more importantly, the impact on the economy, short term and long term. Uh, politically, that's important thing. And that's oh. not to engender panic. So the, the primary criticism of, of uh, President Trump is, well, he's he's underplaying it or he's not taking it seriously, now, which is a bunch of crap. I mean, the guy I know this and so do you is obsessed with this because his reelection may hinge on it. But he is not supposed to be the commander in panic. All right. He's supposed yeah. to calm the waters. And I think that's what you're seeing. The big article now, well, uh, the uh, meetings were classified. Yeah, they're classified because people are throwing out scenarios that won't, co that won't come true. They're, it's a discussion. You don't want the public to panic. That will make it a thousand times worse. And this is what drives me crazy. There's no fair reporting, none, in the mainstream media when it comes to Donald Trump. It's ridiculous. Uh all right, BillOReilly.com for all things O'Reilly. Sir, thank you for being with us. Uh, when we come back, wide open telephones, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. We have an amazing Hannity tonight, including the guy that confronted uh, Joe Biden in Michigan yesterday. He has a lot to say. Nine Eastern. My vision is, is ex more extensive than anybody's out there, but it's made to look like, well, Biden is coming off with some moderate proposal. There's nothing moderate about making sure everyone has health care. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. We, we, we set out the rules for what kind of plant, you know, coal burning plants. No one's going to build another coal burning. We've got to shut the ones down we have. But no one is going to build a new one. We need to go out and make it clear to the American people that we are going to. We are going to raise taxes on the wealthy. That in, I, would, I would raise the capital gains tax to the highest rate of 39.5%. I would double it. As the mayor said, you cannot let people who are sick, no matter where they come from, no matter what their status, go uncovered. You can't do that. It's just going to be taken care of, period. You have to. It's a humane thing to do. Guess what? They're the reason why. The legal as well as undocumented. The reason why our society is functioning. The reason why our economy is growing. We don't talk about that. We stand up and act like it's a burden. It is not a burden. It's a gift. 11 million people living in the shadows, I believe they're already American citizens. To gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is they should be illegal, period. You're not saying that you support everything in the original Green New Deal. Do you think it goes too far? Is it unrealistic, no, promising it, too much? No, it's not. I think the Green New Deal deserves an enormous amount of credit for bringing this to a head in a way that it hasn't been before. It hasn't been. But the reason, I don't know, I'm not opposed to the Green New Deal. What I did was when I thought 
beyond, at least in more detail, what the Green New Deal is calling for. Would you support uh, a carbon tax? Other ca- some other candidates said they would. Yeah, no, I, I, I would. I know I get criticized. I'm told I get criticized by the new left. I have the most progressive record of anybody running for the United Anybody who would run. All right, 24 now till the top of the hour, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program, 237 days till you, we, the American people, you get to be the ultimate jury. You get to decide what is the argument that I've been making is that Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are basically twins. I'm radical and I'm progressive. Universal health care, eliminate coal, all fossil fuels, raise taxes, double the capital gains tax, health care for illegals. Illegal immigration is a gift. Yep. Uh, we'll have amnesty. And yeah, I'm going to take away your assault weapon. The guy in Michigan was correct. And the Green New Deal and a carbon tax. What else do you want to hear? There's not a big difference. And on top of that, have you ever had a fastball? It's long gone. If you ever had a slow pitch, that's gone, too. And then we have the issue of Burisma. Quid pro quo Joe leveraging a billion taxpayer dollars. Zero experience hunter making millions unless you fired the prosecutor investigating him. You've got six hours. Never mind the money that he made in China and other countries. Again, with zero experience. That'll be an issue. And then, of course, you've got the record of quid pro quo Joe. By the way, and that record includes... Their lack of response as it relates to H1N1. And they never had a travel ban. They never declared this thing officially by the president. One health secretary did, to be fair, 11 days after they acknowledged that it existed to get some monies. But by the time the president, meaning at the time Obama, recognized it as a a national emergency, yeah, that was six months later. It was a full pandemic, just as the World Health Organization now says corona is. And by that time, a thousand Americans had died a thousand. I don't remember this freak out factor happening way back then. And again, the actions that were taken were slow. It was. And but the media wasn't trying to politicize or weaponize a virus. Republicans weren't either that I recall at the time. And 20,000 Americans had contracted that H1N1 virus. That virus impacted younger people. This virus, the average mortality rate is 80. Most healthy people, even worst case scenario, you contract the virus. Worst case now, you're going to be fine. You will recover. Johns Hopkins website yesterday saying that the flu is more dangerous to Americans than Corona. And I know it's scary. It should be scary. All viruses are scary. Any pandemic is scary. Uh, You look at the numbers in China, what, 80,000 plus people infected? And 3,000 died. Well, we lost nearly 14,000 Americans in 2009 and 10 with H1N1, swine flu. I don't don't see anybody putting that in perspective. Every year we lose up to 70,000 Americans because of the flu. But yet schools don't shut down. Municipalities don't shut down. The National Guard is not brought in, which, by the way, I don't have a problem with. I really don't. If Americans have a fear then Americans need to be able to react in ways that they feel and deem appropriate. Now, to be honest, the the less contact we have with one another for a short period of time will result in a quicker recovery for the economy and everything else. Short-term hit, for sure. 
Now, could the president, you know, what is it that people wanted the president to do here? President, no president in history acted faster. Travel ban. It was gutsy, politically risky, and it paid off. We had Dr. Anthony Fauci on Hannity last night. Yep, that was gutsy and it paid off and likely prevented thousands and thousands of Americans from contracting uh, this particular virus, Corona. You know, you see in China now, thankfully, there's been a major slowdown in terms of new incidents that have been discovered. Uh, we did have a problem, apparently, slow with testing kits. Well, they've, they've rectified that situation. Millions now are out everywhere. It might result in higher numbers in the short term. Uh, we now have, for example, the, the ability of our great researchers and scientists you know, they have now identified the markers uh, in almost record time. Took years, for example, if you, if you look at HIV. So they could, you know, at that point, build these antiviral medications that are saving lives and extending lives, for, really saving them at this point. You know, the New England uh, Journal of Medicine pointing out kids are not being impacted by corona the way they were H1N1. The CDC had a recent report, South Korea, nobody under 30 died. In Japan, nobody under 50 died. Again, the average mortality rate in the U.S. is 80. The president allocated $8.3 billion, some of it for overseas protections, most of it for America and test kits and those industries that are greatly impacted by all of this, the airline uh, industry, the cruise line industry. Hourly workers afraid to stay home. They might lose a week's paycheck or they might lose their job. They're being protected. States, they now have to do their part. Some are canceling schools. There's more teleworking uh, happening. I think we do need to up the training of, of hospital staff. They have to prepare for any overload in specific areas like Seattle and, and elsewhere. Uh, my understanding, talking to my sources, is you know, they're preparing for triage uh, centers uh, at a moment's notice if needed, more quarantining if needed, you know. But, yeah, there are going to be some people it's going to be like the flu. Thankfully, it's not going to be most people. You know, those with underlying conditions, those that are older, those that have compromised immune systems. For example, if you're going through chemotherapy or have some type of immune deficiency disease, you're at risk. And the word is out. If you are one of those people, you've got to self-quarantine in a sense. Be careful. The people around you have to be tested. Be careful. Don't go out as often as you normally would. Be careful. Now, there's going to be a short-term impact on the economy. Not unusual. People will prepare for the slowdown. Uh, jittery markets, that's just kind of par for the course, especially when it's being fueled by a media that's weaponizing it against Donald Trump. Uh, there might be travel bans, for example, to Europe temporarily. Europe seems to be having greater problems, Italy, Germany in particular. And so we've got to be careful. We have a travel ban already as it relates to Italy, Iran, China, elsewhere. Uh, again, that's that's what you got to do. Short term, we've dealt with these pandemics many, many times. And I keep asking everybody that is so critical, what else do you want the president to do? Because if you have ideas, uh, I'm all ears. I want to keep every American safe. I want a cure for cancer. I want a cure for all heart disease. Uh, I want to prolong human life as much as possible. I know it's a hard reality. We, we don't wake up every day and say, well, we're all actually dying, but it's true. 
We don't think every day, you know, we all think we own things. I've, I've said this for the longest time. We don't own anything. You think you own your house? You don't. You think you own your car? You don't. You think you own your watch, your jewelry, whatever you think is important. You think you own it. No, you rent it. Unless you decide to take the watch or whatever else to the grave with you, then I guess you kind of own it unless there's a grave robber. Um, but we, we all rent. This life is a mystery. We don't know the majesty of God. We know that we always have obstacles we've got to overcome. One thing I can say that with, with the greatest certainty is we have the best, the greatest scientists and medical researchers in the entire world. The fact that they've identified literally the markers of this specific virus this quickly, you know, we should all be very thankful because that means that, okay, if we're going to get a vaccine, it will be sooner. It means ways to treat and deal with it. That'll come faster. In the meantime, we've got to protect those that are older, those with underlying other medical conditions, those with compromised immune systems. That's what we've learned. And yeah, of course, unfortunately, these things happen. Not pleasant. Not pleasant if you get the flu. Not pleasant if you get corona because it gives you flu-like symptoms. Some people, it's a little more severe than others. For the older people, those with those underlying conditions and compromised immune systems, yeah, that we got a real threat there. We've got to prepare for all of that. I feel sorry for people that work in industries that are impacted by that, but I'm glad we live in a country that's going to protect those people in the short term also. And that's what we do whenever there's a calamity. We have a tornado in Nashville, Tennessee. It's all hands on deck. Within 24 hours, Samaritan's Purse on the ground in Tennessee, helping those families that lost everything, that lost loved ones. And they have to now begin the process of rebuilding their lives. Not easy, especially if you lost loved ones. All right, let's get to our phones here. Uh, wow, so much going on today. Uh, let's say hi Two, who's the longest here? Um, Pete, New York. Pete, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. Just want to have a brief moment with you to talk about how the Democratic Party is truly feeding on themselves. This whole thing with Bernie, how there's, they truly screwed him out from his delegates, which is fine. Uh, the scary part is, from my viewpoint, is his voting base. He's got a huge voting base. Uh, and I think that that scares the Democrats as a whole. The issue is, is that how do we get such a large segment of our pop voting population, especially young people, to vote like this or have this ideology? I, I truly feel it comes back to lack of education of American history and how we got to where we are today. Uh, they believe Look, I, that I mean, it's a danger. You know, one of the things there is one there is one reality check that I think eventually will sink into the minds of those younger people, the Bernie bros, I guess they're calling them. Yeah. Uh, eventually is, you know, and Winston Churchill, I think, said it best. If you're 20 and not a liberal, you don't have a heart. Liberalism, socialism, redistributionism. We share everything. Everything's free. Sounds great. But then you go to work so you and you see how much it. it really costs and how much you're paying. And you understand then that there are other people that are not working as hard as you are. And then when government wants to take 50, 60 cents of every dollar, and then they want to come back with a wealth tax, and then they want to take it all when you die, and you begin to realize uh, we're not incentivizing people to be the, the ingenuity that built this great country. And they begin, no, if you're 40, all. you're not a conservative, you don't have a brain. Well, absolutely. In my state, if you're a conservative, you don't have a vote. You have no representation. So it's even harder here to have a voice in government. And 
to just to circle back to the education portion of this is that it's not taught anymore. They don't talk about the Cold War. They don't talk about American history. That you know, there's more emphasis given from from Bob. Uh, Bernie's side about Venezuela and how great that is. Well, take a look at Venezuela now. How do you like it? Well, I mean, great point. And by the way, that is the story everywhere. It sounds great. Everything's free. Every worry any human being might ever have in their life is taken away from them. And big government is going to protect them and guarantee health care and retirement and a job and an education from the day you're born to the day you die. Cradle to grave, womb to the tomb. But in reality, the numbers will never add up. It is an impossibility. All right. We are loaded up in a big, big way. And tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel, we expect the president's going to speak. We'll see what he has to say. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, Don Jr., Jim Jordan, Dr. Siegel, Cornell West, Tammy Bruce, Senator Kennedy of Louisiana, and much, much more. Also, Lawrence Jones hits the streets for us about Corona and Biden. All right, so that's all coming up. We hope you'll set your DVR 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. The very latest news information the mob will never give you. 237 days till Election Day and you, the ultimate jury, weigh in. It's all coming up 9 p.m. tonight. We'll see you then. We'll see you back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.